Mark chapter 2, verse 22. It's a continuation from Thursday nights, part 2. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine, everybody say new wine. Everybody say new wine. Then it says must be put into new wineskins. Say new wineskins. Say new wineskins. Tell your neighbor new wineskins. Father, be with us these next few moments. We need you. Move me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. That he that has an ear, let him hear. Father, let strength and empowerment and change and shift happen here today by your spirit. We thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said, before you see it, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them what's in that wine. Then you may be seated. You ever been to a party? Somebody gets drunk, or getting drunk, I should say, and they go, hey, what's in this drink? It's in this thing. You go, why? Is it not good? No, I love it. It's great. It's awesome. Whatever it is, more of it. Because usually, whenever you get drunk, all the cares and worries just pass you by. Not realizing that once you get sober, the cares and worries are still there. So whenever we talk about new wine, we're not going to say and tell you that because all of a sudden you get this, that the worries and cares are going to leave you. What it's going to do is it's going to help teach you how to deal with those worries and cares. This is a new wine. Somebody say new wine. Everybody hold up your Bible. Get your Bible with me. Hold it up. Say, this is my wine. I am the wine skin. That's what we want to talk about here today and this year in 2018. This is the wine. You're the wine skin. How are you handling what God is giving you? When you read the stories of Jesus, he was always battling with the scribes, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees. There was always a battle going on of ways of thinking. They would battle about eating. What is clean? What is unclean? Well, how you should eat it? They were battling about the Sabbath, when you should worship. You can't heal on this. You can't heal on this day. Why would you heal on this day? There was always a different type of battle going on. Taxes, uh, the ministry of of, uh, helping out the sinners. So many different philosophies and ways of doing things. There was a constant battle going on. But when you read the scriptures, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Jesus was the fulfillment, and he's still everything that you need. He is fulfilling even still here today. You could try to reason it, try to figure it out, but I'm just telling you, Jesus, at the center of it all, you will get fulfilled. Tell your neighbor, Jesus will fulfill you. Now, there was a few reasons why I think, and I shared a little bit about this on Thursday, and then we're going to go off into another direction, but I just want to kind of refresh from Thursday, is that on Thursday I talked about how even many of the Sadducees and Pharisees, they were battling with them because there was a couple reasons why I think they hated Jesus so much. One reason why was because they were jealous. Somebody say jealous. Because Jesus just basically showed up, and all the people that listened to the Pharisees started following Jesus. 
Jesus had a different type of follow, fellowship. People started follow, following him. Man, why is, what is his teaching? What is going on there? So as they got in there, another reason why I believe that they always were hating on Jesus because they were resistant to change. Jesus, wherever he went, he brought about change. Somebody say change. Change is very difficult for the comfortable. Change is very hard for those that love the traditions of what always was. This is the way it's always been. Don't change it. I like it like this. Don't move it. Don't maneuver around it. This is the way that it is. And so here comes Jesus saying, okay, let's just change this whole thing. You are, you're, you're doing the, the smaller parts of the law, but you're neglecting the major parts. You're neglecting the love. You're neglecting why God gave us the law in the first place. Don't get so rigid and so caught up with the worries of 2018 that you miss the joy of 2018. That you miss the love of 2018. So caught up in the care. It's got to be done like this. My friend, you're going to miss out on 2018 the same way you, you missed out on 2017. Same way. See, that's why some of you, you, you got to realize that 2017 brought you to 2018. You may not like 2017. It may have been maybe the worst year for you. But listen, at least it was a year for you. It brought you here. Listen, the troubles of last year, they are going to stay in last year. Because this year, you're going to realize that God is bringing you peace like never before. God is bringing you joy like never before, love like never before, goodness like never before. See, some of you, you still haven't caught it yet because you're still caught up in the worry of 2017. It's still all over you. Even when you shake somebody's hand, hey, God bless you. And you're like, yeah, what for? I don't feel no blessings. It's a new season. Ain't no new season. I don't like this season. It's a horrible season. Are you kidding me? I'm a Raider fan. It's a horrible season. I'm a Niner fan. Even worse season. See, if you go by that and you go by those seasons, you're going to always be looking back and say, well, if I would have changed this, if I would have did that, if I would have. Look at that season is over. It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing is coming your way. You got to be ready. But it's only going to happen if you're ready for it. Tell your neighbor, are you ready? See, the thing that I loved about the disciples is that they heard the same thing as the Pharisees. The only difference was the disciples continued to follow him to say, whatever you're saying, I want to learn because I want more. I want more. Everyone else is hearing about you, but I'm hearing it a little bit different. I'm hearing it just a little bit different. You know one of the reasons why I love the men's home in the way that it is? See, the thing I love about the men's home is that it's Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noon. Jesus in the evening. And even if you're tired, wake up, we'll have Jesus at midnight. Beans and rice and... Whoo! I love that. I remember when I first used to hear that as a kid, I was like, oh, God. Beans are rising, Jesus Christ. When I was young, I thought like a child. Reason like a child. But when I matured, beans and rice and Jesus Christ? Manna from heaven and the God of heaven? 
all together and wow. See, that's why some of you, like my father used to say, you come to church and it's ah, church again. If I got to go to church again. But when you change the wineskins, church again. Yeah. It's the same thing. Still church. Just changes your perspective. That's why some people, you see them in here, they're all happy. Praise the Lord. And some people are like, man, I don't want to be here right now. You know why? Because you could just see and feel and hear the crackling of the old wineskins. Mm. We're going to go there right now. I'm excited. I, I know the end of the message. I'm excited about it. It's really good. As I'm telling you, there's good stuff right now. I haven't spoke for a while. I got a lot of notes. But not a lot to, you know, go forever. Just some good stuff right here. I'm telling you, this is some good stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. Tell your neighbor, are you ready for this? Bible says his mercies are new every morning. I believe that victory outreach heart, God wants to pour some new wine into some new wineskins. He's going to pour a fresh anointing on many of you like never before. You've been coming to this church for five years, 10 years, 15 years, but get ready for a new wine. 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 Get ready for a new season. It's not the same as it was before. Even if you start doing the same thing with your hands, your heart's going to change. Your mind's going to change. There is a new wine coming. Worship team, there is a new wine coming. There's a new wine coming. But you got to be ready for it. Tell your neighbor one more time, are you ready for it? Listen, my friend, it may be cliche, but I want you to understand something. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. You've heard it before, but I'm going to say it again. If you understand the new season and the new wineskin that God has for you, then today is the first day of the rest of your life. In other words, well, you don't have to look back and say, well, uh, this really, oh, that almost took me out. That almost did this. I almost, I almost, I almost. You're so busy focusing in on the almost that you're not letting God fulfill what he wants to do. But today is a new day. God bless all two of you. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Don't miss today's blessings from yesterday's worries. Luke chapter 5, verse 37 says, And no one pours new wines into old wines, because if he does, the new wine will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, this is very important. The question is, can all things be made new? Can all things be made new? Well, for many, there's definitely a certain need for renewal. That's for sure. And many of us are reminded of this every New Year's when we want to make a change. See, many of us have New Year's resolutions. I want to lose weight. I'm going to quit smoking. Or for many of us, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible more. We have different resolutions within this New Year. But I want to ask you something. Is a dramatic change possible? We talk about change, but really when we hear that word change, what we're really hearing is I got to dramatically or drastically change something within my life, and I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if that is possible. See, for some reason, most people will fight against change, and some will even put up forceful resistance. When people claim to change, others are even very skeptical, particularly when someone claims a spiritual rebirth. We read so often about public figures that have claimed a spiritual rebirth that is usually a gimmick in order to take heat off of something that they may have done in order for the consequences or the actions to even be lessened. 
This transformation often happens even while criminals are awaiting sentence or seeking parole. You ever seen that before? Your Honor, just want you to know that I'm a changed man from last week. I might have did it then, but I'm not going to do it now. I am a changed man. I went to the Victory Outreach Heart Victory Home for one week, and I'm good now. You know, I heard a saying that said, when the tough gets going, the tough get religious. Ever heard that before? When the tough gets going, the tough gets, oh, now I'm going to find God. In other words, when it gets so tough, God, I need you. Then God fulfills your need. Okay, I don't need you no more. Why? Because it just got tough. See, we're not trying to change your tough circumstances. We're trying to change your tough character. It's a difference. There's a difference. See, and here today, you got to understand it's a new season. Tell your neighbor one more time, it's a new season. See, you got to know that everybody and everything must change. There must be a change. You can change and you must change. Even in John chapter 3, verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he changes, unless he's born again. You're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you change. You can come to church all you want, but unless you were born again, forget the heart of the bay, the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're here for. We're here to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So prayerfully, before you get the change up there, you can get a little bit of change down here in the heart of the bay. Can I hear an amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? See, now it's very important for you and I to understand the parable of this wineskin. Hopefully we get an understanding. I want to kind of break it down just a little bit for you here this afternoon that you can understand the parable of this wineskin because I believe if we understand this, it's going to change your 2018. You're going to have a whole, whole different year of 2018 if you see it in the wineskin parable. Now, let's talk about this wineskin. In order to understand this, you've got to understand the process of fermenting the wine in the wineskin of goats. Now, in the wineskin of goats, what they would do is they would take this, and after the flesh and bones were removed from the inside, the goat skin was tanned over fires of acacia wood. Then the openings were sewn shut, and the neck of the goat was used for the spout, and unfermented grape juice was poured inside. Afterwards, the neck was sewn shut, and the fermentation process began. Only a new wineskin would have the capacity to stretch during the process of fermentation and not break until the process was finished. If new wine was put in old wineskins because the leather skin was dry and cracked, it would probably split and both the wine and the skin would be lost, therefore making the wine required to be new wine in the new wineskins for successful change to take place. In other words, Jesus was emphasizing that for change for first occur, it must change first internally before anything externally was made. There must be a change on the inside before there was anything on the outside. What am I saying? I'm saying this. You can cut your hair a hundred times, but unless you change your character, you haven't changed anything. You could change your clothing. 
And believe me, from the 70s to the 80s, from the 80s to the 90s, to the 90s, 2000s, clothes have changed. You know what I found? That even though clothes have changed from the 70s to now, some people still think it's the 70s. They still think the same way. Well, this is the way it's always been done. This is how I grew up. You know what I have found is that people will get older. They just will never grow older. And if you're not careful, you can still be a part and trying your best to get new wine. But if you got the old wineskins, it's going to burst. It's going to crack. See, Jesus was doing his best to share with the Pharisees in their rigid lifestyle and in their rigid traditions. They could not accept Jesus because he would not be bound by the rules they themselves had set. See, for them at this time, it was time for a new approach. New traditions and new structures were required. Even we as Christians today, we must be on guard in our hearts that we don't allow our hearts to become so rigid that we are unable to accept new ways and even new approaches. Did you know that Christians can become stale? Christians. Even in Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay can become rigid. No, this is the, the, this, I sit right here. You're in my seat. And if you don't move, the Holy Spirit won't move. So move. No, 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 I don't like that song. I like this song. The Holy Spirit doesn't move with the song. He moves with this song. No, 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 it's, uh, I'm feeling, it's too cold in here. No, the Holy Spirit can't move. It's too cold right now. I need it warmer. No, no, it's too hot in here. I can't be in here. Like, we have all these rules that we've put on the Holy Spirit. Must be done this way. Must be done that way. And here was Jesus saying, look, you Pharisees and Sadducees, all these things that you guys are doing, you're interpreting the law in your way, but you're forgetting the grace and mercy my way. I'm glad you have a good understanding of that. But I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Listen, God didn't just come so that you can get off of drugs. God didn't come just so that you can be a better law-abiding person. God came so that he can dwell with you, so that he can live with you, so that he can be right. He can have dinner with you every single night. Not on dinner what's on the table, but dinner what's on your heart. See, when you understand the manna that God has given us that is right here, then you understand that, man, so the bread I don't need, all I need is this. All I need is the spiritual well-being, and he will fulfill me each and every day of my life. It's a new season. It's a new day. See, my friend, the wine of the gospel of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what it is. That's the new wine. The new wineskins are those of us who are new creations and being born again. Now, what I've found is that why do so many of us resist the new wine? You know what I've found is that for many of us, the reason why we resist new wine is because we feel safer when things have already been tried and tested. No, this is the way it's always been. Look, it's already proven this way. Oh, let's just leave it like that. Now, the thing about it is that there are some things and sometimes where you want things that are tried and tested. You want it that way. Even in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 9 it says, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which we can say, look, there, this is something new? It was here already. Long ago it was here before me. 
Even in the same verse, when Jesus is talking about the new wine and the new wineskins in Luke chapter 5, verse 39, he says, And no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new, for he says, the old is better. See, Jesus tells us here in Luke chapter 5 that the old and new don't mix. But the thing is, they shouldn't mix. But what he was giving us was something totally new, something fresh and something exciting. Something exciting. I remember the, the first time I told a few people here in my church, I said, hey, you got to come with me to this new taco spot. It's the best taco burrito spot you're ever going to have in your life. Now, the funny thing about it is that right away, you know what people do? And this is what the majority of people do. Right away, when I say this is the best, you know what they do is they refer to their best. They make, that's, their re, that's their reference point. Oh, okay, it's a good taco, but it's not better than my mom's. Oh, it's a good taco, but it's not better than La Piñata. Oh, it's a good taco, but it's not better than, you know, uh, Zanitas, right? That's, a good, that's actually pretty good over there. That quesadilla is pretty good. But there's no way it could be better than this old season. New season, no, there's no way it's better. This is the best. I took a guy with me one time to San, from San Diego. I took him over there, right? Now, if you know anything about San Diego, San Diego has probably some of the best tacos, like, all over the place. You know, you go to some cities, they have, like, good spots, but San Diego, pick a spot. It's pretty good. Like, you, you won't be let down. Really, really good. Very good. Food all over the place. They have these carnas, carne asada fries from heaven. I mean, they're good. When you get some carne asada fries, somebody open up a stand. I'm going to be your first customer. They're really good. So I took this guy from San Diego because, you know, they got good, you know, Mexican food over there. So I took him, and I said, hey, I'm going to take you to the spot. It's the best burrito you're ever going to have. And right away, what does he do? He's from San Diego. Go, uh, I don't know, pastor. He was being respectful. Because believe me, if I wasn't a pastor, this is what I think he would have did. I would have went, hey, I'm going to take you to this spot there in, you know, in San Francisco. It's really good. It's probably the best burrito. Oh, heck no. We got the best in San Diego. Like, that's what I think he would have did. But he was respectful. So he was like, mm, uh, I don't know, Pat. Like, we have good food. I mean, he started naming off all these places and all the. Man, that is a good spot. That is pretty good. But I go, no, 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 no. Just try it. So I took him over there, and we went there. La Taqueria, 25th in Mission. I should get sponsored, right? I promote him so much. <laughs> so I went there, and he's sitting in the corner. As he's sitting in the corner, I said, okay, bro, go ahead, take a bite. You do what you want, whatever you think. Add the salsa, do that stuff. It's all you. I came, I, I left him, and I came back, and I said, so, you tell me. And he had the, you know, the burrito was gone. <laughs> Nothing but the wrapper. It was still the, the foil, right? That's how they do it, the foil. I go, so, tell me. And he goes, ah, he goes, I hate to say it, but this is the best burrito I've ever had. Now, can you imagine if he would have just stood in the fact that, no, 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 what I have had has always been the best. See, some of you, 
You've, you've been through some things, and you've got some victories, and that's good for you. I'm glad you got those victories. But in this new season, this is going to be the best new victory in your entire life. But you got to step out of the old season to get a new victory. That's how it works. You cannot get a new victory in the old season. You've got to step out. Tell your neighbor, step out. Tell your neighbor, step out. See, in Romans chapter 7, this is what he was saying. He said, but now, by dying to what's what bound us, we have been released from the law so that now we serve in the new way. Somebody say new way. It says new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. See, my friend, Jesus did not come to the world to repair the broken down religion of the day. He came to bring something new, something fresh. It's a new season, new wineskins, a new wine. Somebody say new wine. Now, when it comes to this change, a number of traditional people do not trust the new innovations as their conventional bearings make them less willing to change. They gain security from the traditions. They are generally comfortable in the old-time religion. Now, this is the kind of message I can speak in a church like this because we've been around a long time. We've been around a while. Even if you've been here for two years, three years, you're involved in a church that is seasoned. You're involved in a church that has somewhat been there and somewhat done that. Now, I say that because we haven't been all there and we haven't done all that. It's just some people think that way. I've been there and I've done that. Maybe it's your turn now. Why don't you do it? And so if we're not careful, you can get involved and get connected to the wrong family. You can get connected. Did you know that? You can get connected to the wrong family. I heard a pastor, a friend of mine, talk about the family. And if you're not careful, you can get connected to the wrong family. Tell your neighbor, get connected to the right family. Now there's a family that I'm going to share with you here this morning, that you need to stop hanging around. There's a certain family that you need to stop hanging. Did he just tell me right now he needed to stop hanging around? That's exactly what I just said. Because there's a certain family that you just got to stop. If you're not careful, they're going to pull you down and pull you out. You know the name of this family? They're called the Tater family. It's the Tater family. Be careful of the Tater family. You know the first person you got to be careful of? Sister Spectator. Sister Spectator, all she does, she comes to church, she will never lift her hands, she will never give a dime, all she's here to do is spectate. Just spectates on a, she knows everything about everyone, who likes who, who's where, who's wearing what, knows everything about that, but knows nothing about participating. Just a spectator. Be careful of Sister Spectator. And then Sister Spectator has a husband, Brother Hesitator. Brother Hesitator, one day I'm going to join the worship team. One day I'm going to be an usher. One day I'm going to get into the kids' gang. One day always hesitating, never participating. Brother Hesitator, always talking but never walking. Brother Hesitator. Now they've got a son named Brother Agitator. Brother Agitator, always coming around and just stirring something up. Always getting on everyone's last nerve. Everywhere that they show up, Brother Agitator just agitating everyone. 
getting everyone and everything agitated around them. But be very careful because Brother Agitator got a little sister named Sister Imitator. Sister Imitator, always looking like the world, never conforming to God's word. Wants to do her best to do what everyone else is doing, not realizing that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, sister imitator. But then they've got a little brother named Mr. Dictator, always telling everyone what to do, but never taking any correction themselves. Never getting any time anyone ever tells them something, they're always offended, Mr. Dictator. But then they've got a little sister called Sister Rotator, going from every church to this church, going to that church to that church. Whenever something bad happens, okay, they're not my friend anymore. This is my new best friend now. Always rotating from left to right, Sister Rotator. But then if you're not careful, they got little brother, little brother Amputator. Always walking around, cutting everybody off, telling them everything except where they can't take anything themselves Brother Amputator. Stay away from the taters. Tell your neighbors, stay away from the taters. Agitator. Imitator. Never a participator. If you're going to take this new wine and this new wineskin, then you got to change your wineskins. You gotta change the way that you think. Now you gotta be careful not to make new wineskins but still have old wine. In other words, you can change the person in front of you, but it's no good if you haven't changed the person inside of you. You can change the, pe the people around you like I just shared, but unless you've changed the person inside of you, the new wine is gonna burst the old wineskins. The new wine is going to burst the old wineskins. How many want new wine? Come on, raise your hand. How many want new wine? Okay, then all of you that are raising your hand, you need new wineskins. You need to think differently. You can't have the same philosophy of 2017 and bring it into 2018. Now, unless you're Robert, because Robert's awesome. Like... Follow him on Facebook. I just liked him right there. But you cannot, you can change the people in front of you, but unless you change the person inside of you, it doesn't matter. You know what I have found? You know the biggest wineskin change that as a pastor that I have had to work with since pastoring as a senior pastor and even before that? You know the biggest wineskin that has always had to change is the wineskin of marriage. Wineskin of marriage. That's always the biggest one that I've always had to deal with. All the married couples say amen. amen. All the married couples who love their spouse say amen. amen. All those who want to be married say amen. amen. If you were single, that was your perfect opportunity for God to hear you right there. God is in this place. You should have said, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Take me, Lord. Here I am. Send me. And her at the same time. I have found that marriage is probably one of the hardest wineskin to change. Now, you know what I have found also as well? That it's very important because even 
uh, God himself and Jesus himself is married. Did you know that? Jesus is married to the church. Ecclesia, right? That's what the Bible says. He is married to the church. So Jesus has a bride. We are his bride. That's how important marriage is. So you know what I found? So as I was even doing some research here today, I said, man, well, you know, when we talk so much about marriage and we talk so much about it, like, I almost feel like, are we really getting this? Do we really understand? Especially now for those of you that you're a blended family, I hope you catch this right here, right now. I, I really want to, for you to catch this. And for those of you that you are, are dating or you want to date, you really need to catch what I'm about to say right here, right now. Because this is very, very important. Now for those of you that are also married, and you've been married for some time, but you're still like, man, she just ain't getting it. He just ain't getting it. It's her fault. It's his fault. You know what it is? It's because you got just a bunch of old wineskins trying to get new wine, and it ain't working. So you know what I did? I said, you know, where's the first marriage in the Bible? Right? So where's the first marriage in the Bible? You know what the first marriage is? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. First recorded marriage, first recorded husband and wife in the Bible. So when I went there, I said, okay, you know what? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, and you can find all this on your own. But I'm going to try my best to break it down really quick. In Genesis chapter 2, that Adam was placed in Eden. Somebody say Eden. Now, Eden there, even as we began to study it, I was like, man, it's kind of a little complex here because a lot of people have different translations of understanding. And the Garden of Eden, even to this day, a lot of archaeologists, they can't find the Garden of Eden. They're looking for it. They've been looking for Noah's Ark. They look for everything. They look for the blood of Jesus Christ, the, cross, the actual cross. They're looking for everything. But the Garden of Eden, they cannot find. So you know what I found when you study the Aramaic and you study the Hebrew? Eden means spot. Eden means spot. Or in our translation, it means delightful spot. Eden means the doorway from heaven to earth. So when... Adam was placed in Eden. He was placed in a delightful spot where God resides. A delightful spot where God resides. So the first thing that happened with Adam is before he got a woman, he got God's presence. He got God's presence. Listen to me, fellas. You don't want a woman first. You want God's presence first. You need God's presence first. Because the presence is where everything happens. The presence is where everything grows. The presence is where God wants to be with you. Listen to me, fellas. You don't want a woman first. You want God's presence. The Garden of Eden. This is, this is where Adam met Eve in the presence. He met Eve in the presence. You know, what I find, you know what's so funny to me? Is that I see a lot of, lot of women, they try and go out of the garden get themselves a man, and drag him back into the presence. But he don't like the presence because that's not where he was birthed. And you're trying to make him, I'm going to make you a man. You lift your hands right now. Come on, lift your hands. Bend your knee. Bend your knee right now. Lift, lift your voice. You better lift your voice right now. It's a whole lot better if you just find a man in the presence. In the presence. See, the first thing that God gave Adam was his presence. You know what the second thing that he gave him? This is what he told him. Work. Work. Get a job. Get a job. 
Listen, ladies, before you go after that man, you need to look at his work ethic. Can he work? Can he have a job? See, before you get a woman, men, get a job. Very important. Can you work hard? Can you be a man that uses the hands that God has given you? Look, we, we don't need lazy people in the house of God. God never called anybody in this place to be lazy at all. Just sitting around being lazy hands. You better be careful of those lazy hands because if you get lazy hands, you can find yourself where the devil's playground plays with your lazy heart. The first thing God gave him was his presence. The second thing he told him was to work. Somebody say work. Somebody say work. See, this was very important. The third thing that God told Adam was to cultivate. To cultivate. You're going to find all this in Genesis chapter 2. Cultivate. I believe it's chapter, verse 16. Cultivate the earth. Somebody say cultivate. Now what does cultivate? What does it mean? It means to bring out the best in everything around you. It means to improve the growth of by labor and attention. Improve the growth of by labor and attention. You know why this is important? God only said this to the male. God only said this to the man. He never said this to the woman. This is why, and this is what really got me, this is why God will never give you, as a man, a finished woman. He'll never give you a finished woman. See, that's why men, you think, oh, okay, you know, I want her to look like this. I want her. God never intended for her to look like that. God intended for you to make her look like what's in your head. Cultivate her. Grow her, help her, buy her things. All the women should have said amen on that one. If you do not like what you see as a husband, it's not her fault, it's your fault. You are supposed to cultivate her. You are supposed to work hard. That's your job, not Mom or dad's job, her mom or her dad. No, no, no. That's why the Bible says, and they will leave the mom and dad so that the husband can now cultivate her, make her look good. And then this is the thing I love about it is that the Bible says, just like with Jesus, right, and the bride, the bride says, look, this is what Jesus does. He cultivates the bride, the church, you and I. So what does he do? He cleanses her. He cleans her. Cleans her with the word. And then removes the spots and removes the wrinkles, right? That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you are supposed to do as the husband, as the groom. Cultivate her. Make her look good. That's why whenever my wife comes up here and she stands up here, I go, man, now I look good. I didn't look good until she gets around me because I've been doing my best to cultivate her. <laughs> Baby, you look good. Cultivation. That's the purpose of the husband's role to the wife, to cultivate her. Then you know what the fourth thing that he did with, with Adam? Is he said, you are now to guard and protect the garden and everything in it. You are the protector. See, listen to me, men. The reason why you're bigger and stronger is not because you're supposed to abuse it. It's because you're supposed to protect everything around you. 
That's your purpose. There's just no way around it. I've talked about this already before. Men are just naturally stronger. Nothing you can do about it. It's the way you were made. But you were not made to say, look at my muscles. You were made to use those muscles to protect everyone around you. That's why you were made. You were made to be a protector. So first, you got to get in love with God's presence. Second, you got to get a job. Tell your neighbor, get a job. Then third, you got to cultivate. Grow everything around you. It must grow. Don't blame it on the person next to you. You got to grow it. Fourth, you got to protect it. Guard it. Guard what God has given you. All the men say amen. amen. Then the last thing that God gave Adam. This, now, this, remember, we're talking about wineskins right now. We're getting a new philosophy of wineskins. The, the fifth thing and the last thing that God told Adam is he gave him his word. Now, I don't know for those of you that have studied Adam and Eve, but what did God tell Adam? He gave him a word that he was supposed to do. He said, do not eat of that tree. Now, the thing was, God didn't tell the woman. God told the, so the man's job is to teach the woman the word of God. It's the man's job. That's your job. You know, what's, what's crazy is that when the women start knowing more of the word than the man does, things get out of balance. Your job as the man is to teach your woman his word. That's what you're supposed to do. So listen to me, ladies. If you get with a man that doesn't know any of God's word, cut that dead. I'll tell you right now, just cut the guy. Because what good is it? If he doesn't like God's presence and he don't like God's word, what makes you think he's going to like your words? Eventually, your words are going to get bitter. Eventually, your words are just going to sound like a dripping faucet. But when he understands the word of God, and he loves the presence of God, and he wants to be there with God, then he wants you to reside there with him with God. That's the role of the husband. Now, this is what I found as well. Now, this was really good that got me when I was getting this part. The Bible says this. It says, after all that was done, it is not good for man to be alone, right? So the Bible says, but don't read it so quickly. It is not good for this man to be alone. What man? The man who loves God's presence? The man who's got a job? The man who's a cultivator? The man who's a protector? And the man who knows God's word? That man. So what does that mean? It says, it is not good for this man to be alone. So guess what? If you find yourself a man that doesn't like God's presence, who doesn't have a job, who cannot cultivate, who's not a protector, and doesn't know God's word, then it is good for that man to be alone. Let him be alone. So what? You don't need that guy. You need a man who's going to cultivate you. You need a man who's going to protect you. You need a man who's going to help you grow in God's presence. A man who's going to teach you God's word. A man who's going to love the new wine because he is a new wineskin. The man who's going to love that. See, listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. We talk, we talk about that. Now, this is the thing. Genesis chapter 2 has been there before this message, but many of us, we just don't catch it because we still got old wineskins. We still got old wineskins. But if you really want to understand what it is to be a protector of God's house, get a new wineskin. The wine is there. 
You need a new wineskin. You need a new way of thinking. Listen to me. 2018 is going to be a new year for many of us. You're going to have a new marriage. Well, man, I've been married to the same woman. It doesn't matter. There's a new wine coming to your marriage. Well, my son, he doesn't listen to me. It doesn't matter. There's a new wine coming to your parenting. My finances look the same. There's a new wine coming to your finances. Why? Because now there's a change in you. There's a new wineskin. I'm a new man. Behold, all things have been made new you're a new man you're a new woman you're a new creation you've got a new chapter in your life listen to me my friend don't get stuck in the old chapter that God can't help you write a new chapter you got a new chapter in your life oh but pastor you don't understand what I've done or what I've been through my friend that chapter is done write a new one Quit rereading the old chapter over and over and over and over. Every time you read that chapter, you get sadder and sadder and sadder and sadder. You get more depressed, more depressed, more depressed, more depressed. My friend, open up the book and let God write a new chapter in your life. It is a new season, a new time, a new happening, a new victory. For victory, I return to the bay. Listen, I know we've been through a lot of buildings. I know we've been a lot of Places, but God has given us a new victory this year. It's a new victory, a new outreach, a new hearts here in 2018. It's a new one. It's a new one. It's a new one. It's a new one. Some of you got to keep telling yourself in your head, it's a new one. It's a new one. It's a new one. I know I got old stuff, but it's a new one. It's a new one. It's a new one. It's a new season. It's a new day. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise with me here today. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise with me here today. Come on, stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand of praise with me here today. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise here today. Hallelujah. It's a new season. It's a new season. It's a new season. Listen, this year, it's time to get a new vision. We have the house vision that God has given us. We're going to stick to that, but for some of you, you're going to get a personal vision. Some of you haven't had a personal vision in a long time. That's why you waver this way, that way, this way, that way, because you don't have a personal vision. You need a personal vision. God has given you a personal vision, and if you haven't seen it yet or felt it yet, then this year you need to get it. What's the vision that God has for me? Some of you come to church and you attend the church, but you're like wandering in the desert of the heart. You're here, you're there, you're here, you're there, you're here, you're there. And you're here generally, but there's no exact place that God is trying to reside in that spot. He's trying to give you his presence, but you're going over there, you're going over there. You're going. God says, get right there in this delightful spot. I've got a spot for you where you fit. It's you. Yes, you may have some weaknesses and you may not have it all together. Yes, sometimes you, you study or stutter over your words. Yes, so sometimes you don't look like everyone else. You don't talk like everybody else. You have a lot of uh, discrepancies. You have a lot of mishaps. You have a lot of misunderstandings. And you don't think of stuff very quickly. And so you think, well, I'm just going to get in my own little spot and I'm going to be right here. And God says, no, get out of that spot. Quit trying to tell yourself you're never going to be anything and you're never going to do anything. I have given you a new heart. I have given you a new spirit. I have given you a new mind. And for those of you, even this year, remember I said that we're a seasoned church. And when come seasoned church, 
comes seasoned people. And with the seasoned people, your physical body gives you spiritual setbacks. And I understand that. That's why many of you, when you look at me and say, Pastor, you're young. You could do it. Exactly. I'm young. I want to take it. That's what the Bible says. Take advantage of your youth. That's what I'm trying to do. I could still jump. I'm going to jump. See, some of you, you're younger than me, and you've never jumped in this whole church. You ain't taking advantage of your youth. I let Pastor do it. You're younger than me. Uh, then I got other ones that are here in this church. They're twice my age, and they jump twice higher than me. I can't have that happen. I got to jump higher. Cecilia, man, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to her. How she do that, man? I want to I do that. I want to be like that. See, I'm, I'm not seeing her physical. I'm seeing her spiritual. Spiritually, she's, she's moving and going. That's what I want. I want to go after that. Listen, for those of you this year, don't let your physical ailments make a setback to the spiritual body that God has given you. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But when, even when you read throughout the scriptures, there's a purpose to your pain. There's a purpose to it. I know you don't like it. I don't like that you have it. I don't like that some of you can't lift your hands because of arthritis. I don't like that. And I know you don't like that. I understand that some of you, it takes you a half hour just to get out of the bed because of your back, because of your knee. I understand that. But please, please, please do not allow your physicality overwhelm and overcome your spirituality. I see Angel and oh my gosh. She makes me like, oh man, how did she do that? Because sometimes I come in and I go, eh. And then I look at Angel and go, what's wrong with you? Come on. Lift your hands. Let's do this. And she gets me right back. That's why I, we need angels. They, she gets people like me back in line. Okay, all right, let's do this. All right, let's do it. Come on. Here you go. She can't even barely walk. Some of us have two feet and we barely go anywhere. You got your hands and barely lift anything. I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. When's the last time you lifted up the name of Jesus above every and all names? New wine, new wineskins. New wine, new wineskins. It's a new season, it's a new time. Lift your hands with me here today. God's given us a new heart, a new heart, a new mind. I believe many of us, some of you are here in 2018, maybe in 2017, you didn't make not one altar call. You just said, that's not for me. As long as I come to church, that's good. But I'm going to tell you something. That's what makes us different is Victory Outreach. That's what distinguishes us even as Victory Outreach. For whatever reason, we, we have altar calls practically every single service. Not every service, but a majority of the time. And there's a reason for that. The reason why we have altar calls is not so we can come and say, man, who's messed up and who needs to get better? No. Because if we're honest, then this whole place would be an altar call. Because all of us are messed up and all of us need to get better. But it's the one who say, you know what? I need to get in that spot that God has for me. I don't have it all together. But God, you are putting me together. So God, continue to do your work. Like my wife said, he who began a good work is faithful and just to finish that work. God's not done with you yet, man. God's not done with you yet, woman. God's not done with you yet, husband. God's not done with you yet, wife. God's not done with you yet, daughter or son. God's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. 
you still got a long ways to go. He's going to finish. He's going to complete it. And it starts here today. It starts right now. If that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat. Come to this altar.